Hello everyone, welcome to the video, thank you for having me here, Sakuli. And I'm your host, Jaden Cron, and this week we are talking about the 1988 film, Bright Lights, Big City, starring Michael J. Fox, Kiefer Sutherland, and a couple other people. Yep. Uh, yep. What is this movie about, Zach? Uh, so this movie is about a writer, he's living in Manhattan, and he he works for a magazine, Gotham Magazine. He's a fact checker, yeah. uh, and he he's really he's really big on drugs. He loves mm-hmm. loves cocaine, or as he calls it, uh, Bolivia's finest export. Yeah, we, Bolivian Bolivian marching powder. Is that what he yes, calls it at the start of the movie, it's very, never called that again. But. Very uh, very big on that. Uh, he's, yeah. he, he's estranged with his wife. Uh, his mother died of cancer a year ago. Uh, he's about to get fired from his yeah. job and it's just not a great time for him. His only friend is Kiefer Sutherland. And this is a Kiefer Sutherland movie where Kiefer Sutherland is a scumbag. Well, his character is a scumbag, so. Yeah. Not a, yeah. not a good friend. Not a good friend, just kind of an asshole who invites him to parties and then is like, I don't don't even know why Keeper Sutherland invites him to parties. I think it's like a status thing to be like, yeah, I get this writer here at parties, but uh, he very clearly doesn't care that much about Michael J. Fox's uh, life problems. Yeah, uh, Yeah. that's basically, that's that's the movie. And then he, he, you know, he gets fired and it's about him trying to cope with all these things and kind of the emotional struggle in his head um, to cope with, with this, these big problems in his life, such as the death of his mother and the uh, separation of him and his wife. Uh, yeah. What did you think That's... of the movie? I thought it was good, actually. I okay. don't know why. I, I didn't. I thought it was fine. Yeah. It was just, you know. Nothing stand st- stood out to me. Yeah, I think I was having a bunch of fun in like the first thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. Then it really kind of drops for the next like thirty minutes, and then for the last thirty minutes, kind of had me again. Mostly, there's um, it's the the best part of this movie is Michael J. Fox's performance. Yeah, um, he does a great great job as this kind of. Uh, on the edge, this man on the edge, who's just kind of always either not really there or just pissed off or, I don't know, making a, making a funny joke or something. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's definitely the strongest, him and Kiefer, I think are definitely the strongest parts of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the script isn't... The script is... <sighs> This is based on a book, and you can. It's one of those movies where you can tell it's based on a book because the author wrote the screenplay as well. And it just there feels like there's whole sections that are just lifted verbatim from the book and just read as narration. Yeah, yeah, because the book is also apparently in like second person narration. The whole. Yeah. The uh, the whole thing. Yeah, I I do agree. It is um, a little weird, and I think my my biggest criticism of this film is the tone problems Mm -hmm. it has um because so it's a drama mostly um 
but it's enough of a comedy that it makes you question. Yeah. If this is really a drama, you're like, well, they are buying a ferret yeah. to unleash in his boss's office that then causes an old man who is drunk to get crushed by a suit of armor. Yep. So, like, really... <laughs> and then there's also yeah. the scene where, like, it's just Death Stranding all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Frickin' Coma Baby. He has this obsession with a tabloid story about a coma baby, which, like, is supposed to, you know, represent him and his... Uh, emotional state almost that he is going through these things um you know the world his mother in a sense has you know is in a coma and will likely die and the choice is you know is he gonna live is he gonna struggle for life and right now he's in this weird in the womb place and so that's why the coma baby so we haven't even explained coma baby all that much so he like there's this dream sequence where he walks into a room into an office called that is labeled L'Enfant du Coma, which is just, I think it's trying to be, I think it's French for coma baby. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Instead, he, he walks into the room and there's like an operating table and all the doctors are there, but it's like a regular office. And then he sees Kiefer and his ex-wife and some other girl in the corner and they're all doing cocaine. And so then he walks over to the, to the coma mom, so to speak. <laughs> dumb it's very it's very it's, dumb and makes no sense um, and it's not like i mean i i actually liked it just because of how i like it up until one point and i'll explain what that is in a moment i just think it's dumb that the movie even refers to her just as coma mom but i guess that's just how tabloids work, that is how the new york post function yeah yeah so he um he pulls back kind of the, I don't know, the curtain, so to speak, to reveal the pregnant woman's womb and, or her belly, and it's it's see through, like exactly like Death Stranding. Like there is a baby sitting there, you know, just vibing uh, under this plexiglass dome, and he's like, "Hey, what's up?" And the baby's like, and this is where it got ruined for me is once the baby starts talking to him. Yeah. And it's most, a lot of it's the baby's dialogue, but also a lot of it is the fact that it's just Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Talking in like a, in like a pitched up voice so that you see, I'm the coma baby. Wow. I really, uh, I'm going to stick it here until my old lady dies. Huh? There, <sighs> it reminds me, I, I don't know how like. Uh, this this might just be me, but it reminds me of like the scene in like one of the Jurassic Park movies, mm. where the, where like it's a dream sequence and the di one of the dinosaurs is just like Alan, it was yeah. that kind of like when he started talking. Yeah, I I do I agree with you. That's a that's a good comparison. I anyway, yeah. Um, just kind of this weird. It's weirdly comedic. Um. And it certainly is attempting to by the way that the baby's like, it's like, ah, I've been here until the old lady dies. Am I right, fellas? <laughs> Life is terrible, folks. You're like, okay, I, I don't know. I was hoping this would be like some like genuinely unnerving 
surrealist stuff but mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's funny talking baby it's the boss baby actually this is the boss baby before he's born <laughs> the boss baby but he's uh norman Reedus fetus from from death, death stranding, stranding. yeah what do you think the, the odds movie? are that kojima saw this movie honestly and then made death stranding because i of wouldn't it. put it past him i would not um yeah it's got so like the best way to describe the comedy is it comes across as trying to be like irreverent which you know is a word that i hate yeah uh <laughs> if you're describing your comedy as irreverent get the hell out that, of my you know office. that south park you know that like pushing family guy man. humor yeah, irreverent. Well, I mean, people even describe like Monty Python as irreverent. And it's ah, like, irreverent. You just want to say, you just want to say weird. I. Um, anyway, does anyone so actually movie, know what that word means that uses it? No one does, right? I do. I mean, I know it. I know people what the who word use means. it, though. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, but like, yeah, it, it it's trying to be this kind of like, oh, this movie doesn't really have rules. That's why, like. You know, when it tells you what day of the week it is, there's like a little line under each day of the week that's like, uh-oh, it's getting crazy. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, that kind of attempted irreverent comedy means that, like, you're going to go from, like, oh, man, <laughs> hey, hey, son, you like you like sleeping with ladies? As, this is what uh, Michael J. Fox's dying mother says to him. He's like, uh, yeah, you know, it's pretty good. She's like, you have a sub with ladies you don't love? And he's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden she's going through this, like, wave of pain from her cancer. And it's like, oh, okay, this just, like, this just flipped and nothing is really serving anything anymore. Yeah. Although actually, that scene, I think once it moved beyond the... That was actually one of the better ones, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, because it was more, I don't know, it worked out to be touching as opposed to, like, some of the stuff at the beginning, how that contrasts with the middle. And this is why the middle is the worst part, because yeah. it's at this weird transition stage between being, you starting to feel for him and you being like, ooh, whoopsie doopsie, he's do- doing lots of dwugs at a at a thing and oh there's these ladies and he opens the door and they're making out in the bathroom Uh oh gay women in the but they invite him to join <laughs> and he says enjoy your meal <laughs> yeah yeah it's just this, there, there's there's like so many the, the problem is there's so many like decent moments and then there's so many other like where it's just like okay like it just feels cheap yeah well, like I, it, it was entertaining enough. Yeah. That's not something I get a lot of. I think I enjoyed myself with this one a lot more than I normally do. Yeah. And I think once again, um, that comes down to it. Like, this is just, it's it's a real movie. It has a real actors, you know, Michael J. Fox. It, yeah. This is like, this is 1988 Michael J. Fox. Like, he's going to be good in whatever he's in. Yeah. Plus, he looks so good in he, sunglasses. He, he looks He looks good in anything. Yeah, but especially, I don't know, I just love it when they, like, put sunglasses on him and, like, just f***ing stare at something, and he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk about, uh, Jason Robards showing up again. 
Jason Robards. Max Dugan. Oh, yeah, it was Max Dugan. I th- I recognized him. How did I not recognize him from that? Because I, I recognized him from another movie, um, uh-huh. which was <laughs> a movie I had to watch for school. Uh, the t- made-for-TV a remake of um, Inherit the Wind. I knew hmm. I had also seen him in something recently. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's in... Uh... He's just kind of there, and he's just like, eh. I was... I'm drunk. And then he's the old man who gets crushed by the suit of armor after Kiefer and Michael J. Fox release a ferret in his former boss's office, and he walks out, he's drunk, he's, they're like crouching on the ground, he's like, what is this, some kind of pygmy town? And you're like, oh, oh, oofa doofa. And then they stand up, and he's like, wait, is this a giant town? And you're like, what? At least that one isn't racist, but still. Yeah. It's it just so it was weird. He was weird. But what 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 did happen was that in, in terms of this podcast, Max Dugan did return. Yeah. So that was good. Um, Diane Weist is his mother, I guess. Yeah. It just kind of happens, and you're like, okay. A uh, David Hyde Pierce was just a bartender. The, mm-hmm. the guy from Frasier, who isn't oh, Frasier. Oh, gotcha. So, oh. That's, that's a big get. Yeah. Yeah, this movie's got, uh, got everyone. people in it. Mostly Michael J. Fox and Kiefer. Yeah. Let's talk about Kiefer. What do you think of Kiefer? Uh, Kiefer was good in this. Yeah. He, was, he was doing some classic 80s, 90s Kiefer doing some scumbag Rooney, you know, getting some good lines like... Uh, Oh, I don't know. Here, let me find something. Oh, yeah, human epidermal matter. Uh, <laughs> where he's talking about, he's like, we're talking about dust in Michael J. Fox's apartment, and Kiefer's like, you know, a lot of dust is just human epidermal matter. That's, that's shedded skin to you. <laughs> it's like, what? And, yeah, and it's just one of the things that doesn't, like, factor into his character at all. It just feels out of place. I think, well, no, I think it's just to show that he's a know-it-all asshole who just, like, does not really care about saying, I don't know, communication. He just cares about sounding cool. Um, There's definitely a couple of lines that I never, words I never wanted to hear coming out of Kiefer's mouth. Mostly bimbo. Yeah. And nookie. Those two, I... did it all for that. I could have gone through the rest of my life without uh without that but like the the when they go to the when Kiefer takes Michael J Fox to the one bar with the two the two women and they just have these really weird conversations that was funny in yeah. my opinion um you know until they go in the bathroom and it's like whoa watch out hey. yeah i uh i was taking notes until about the uh the ferret scene you know, i was just like I also noticed that, that taking notes makes it harder for me to, to actually enjoy the movie. That's fair. Um, but, you know, I hadn't done it in a while for this podcast, so I figured I'd do it again. <sighs> yeah. Um, this movie is, is whatever, visually. Yeah. It gets the job done. I think the only stuff that was really cool was the... I love the opening bit, like the opening couple seconds where it's like those flashing... Uh, 
different color lights at the club and they're like these red blue and, and yellow like bars that cut mm-hmm. across like the entire screen it was different you know it wasn't yeah. like blowing my mind but it was it was something to look at uh the soundtrack slaps yeah the soundtrack's pretty good freaking great you know you're getting the late 80s you are getting that good good because so much of the movie is set in in bars and clubs just means it's all like club dance music half the time and yeah yeah <laughs> yeah baby i want to talk a little about so i was looking i was reading the wikipedia for this movie so apparently this movie was just just went through development hell oh like no. so originally the, f- the first director attached to it was none other than Mr. Joel Schumacher. Oh. That was in 1984. Oh. The movie okay. came out in 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, they went through a bunch of directors. The studio just didn't want to put it out. They were worried about having a film with Michael J. Fox doing a ton of cocaine. Um, just a, the whole out. thing. Yeah. Um, and also, so the book, so the book it's based on, which the the author also wrote the screenplay. So mm-hmm. the author, he, that he he was a uh, a fact checker for a magazine, who had oh. married a model, and uh, that 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 uh, the model left him. I think I see where this. is So going. this is a movie, based on a a movie about a writer, trying to write a book. That mm-hmm. is the book that it's based on, and that's the plot. It's <laughs> it's dumb. This is this it's, is this is like so movies wanky. that are that are about making movies. Yeah, it's like it's very like sure, but also it's very self indulgent. Just never write where your character is a writer. You 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 can do better than this. I swear, all you all you writers out there who are listening to this podcast, you can do better. The world deserves better. The ferret's name was Fred, remember that? That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is a key. Oh, oh Kiefer, Kiefer gets a good line in the form of uh, a rolling in the heart of the night. I wrote down a bunch of things Kiefer said. There's also the one where he's they're like at the thing. Because for some reason there's this bit near the start of the movie where Kiefer tries to keep telling people that uh, Michael J. Fox's ex is dead. Yeah. So he keeps coming up with these different stories and one of them is like, hmm, maybe she died in a plane crash on your first anniversary. That's freaking beautiful. <laughs> Very romantic. <laughs> and then there's a part where, where Michael J. Fox is describing Kiefer and he's like, oh, you know, he's got a certain, uh, his, uh, his joie de vivre, his, uh, uh, his savoir faire, his, uh, uh, spritzatur. <laughs> It's like, why did you say three of those? I mean, I guess the point is that he's struggling to de- to describe his asshole friend. Yeah, but it's just dumb. But it is a kefir. I'm gonna say yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's a kefir. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's... I I also found that by the end of the movie, like the. I don't know, the part when he has the kind of the breakdown in this woman's apartment and yeah. has an entire bottle of wine by himself and then pops like three Valiums. 
that part was and mostly because of Michael J. Fox's performance. That part was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, even the him and his mother scene and, and there's a couple other things. The part where his ex walks up to him is like, how are you doing? And then he just starts like dying of laughter to be like, how are you doing? <laughs> it's, it's good. I, I promise. He's, I swear. He's a good actor. Uh, he's in a, He's also in Designated Survivor, so, yeah. Michael J. Fox? Yeah. He's in what? Uh, season two oh, at man. the end, I think. Guess I gotta watch season two now, huh? Yeah. But yeah, def- definitely, definitely a kefir. Uh, kind of, you know, just a real movie. It's a real movie. say that. We say that too much on this podcast, but but we've also seen, yeah, the Dungeons and Dragons animated film thing. So yeah. I think we have the right to say that. Land Before Time ten. Honestly, uh, that was more of a real movie than some things we've watched. Oh, that's true. Marmaduke, we watched Marmaduke. Yeah, we did. Uh, taglines. Hold on, let me get my. Ooh. my... All that glitters is not gold. It's 6 a.m. Do you know where you are? He's a long way from Kansas. He's a long way from Kansas? Yeah. Uh, there's some pretty good taglines. Yeah. <laughs> Let me pull up. I forgot to pull up reviews before. Because I'm an idiot. Idiot. Pinky. Idiot. Oh, my God. <laughs> This is my that was my Mario impression. It's good. It's good. Yeah, thanks. Um, I gotta I gotta comment on something before I I get into reviews here. People who bought the DVD on Amazon, yeah, bought a bunch of bad horror movies. Oh, what's up with that? They're buying like Motel Hell. They're buying Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They're buying. Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. They're buying, like, the collection of every single Friday the 13th movie. They're buying a movie called Pumpkinhead Collector's Edition. There was a Double Dragon movie? Yeah! And the people who who, who bought this movie also bought the Double Dragon movie? Dang. Hmm. Okay. Um... Half these reviews are about Relius DVD does not come with widescreen. It does not. <coughs> That's funny. Uh, um, okay. Consistent. This one comes to us from Damien P. Gadal. This movie was very consistent with the book, which, if you like the book, made... Wait. This movie was very consistent with the book, which, if you liked the book, which made this a good movie. Having read the book before seeing the moving... Gave me a bit more insight into the story. But even without reading the book first, viewers may watch in disbelief, wondering how long it takes for Michael J. Fox's character to change his ways. Suffering through this drives home the ending of the film and makes this the moving story that it is. A well-done film with a strong cast. The soundtrack isn't bad either. These people, There's a lot of people who write reviews who just shouldn't write them. You know? yeah. I, I was one of those people on Steam for the longest time. I was one of those people on Letterboxd. And I realized <laughs> I don't have anything. I I'll, I should just try and say something funny or like one sentence. 
that realized said, you know, that that you should just start a podcast instead. Just start a film review podcast. Uh, um, we got okay. we got a review from Faye J. Uh, uh-huh. Five stars. Gift. This is a mm. gift for my granddaughter from her list of ideas. From her reaction, I would say she was very pleased. Wow. I love how many Amazon reviews are just old people saying, I bought this for my child. <laughs> okay. Um, this one comes from Joseph K. No widescreen. That's just scandalous. <laughs> one star. I am honestly shocked that MGM released this DVD with no widescreen option. I did not realize this was the case until the DVD arrived here at my apartment. And I noticed on the back of the box it said, Modified to fit your screen. Are you serious? I didn't just do a double take. I did like a 15 take. Total disbelief is the only way to describe my reaction. Bright Lights, Lights Big City is a classic era film that helped define the 1980s, one of the most culturally important decades in the history of the U.S. The film deserves a special release DVD, not some two-bit modified-to-fit-your-television joke of a release. This modified-to-fit-your-television release is a slap in the face to all fans of Bright Lights Big City, the 1980s, Michael J. Fox, Kiefer Sutherland, or any of the... any of the the cast and crew of this film do not buy this DVD for protest alone. If for no other reason, if you really need to see it, then go rent it instead. Now, I can't decide whether or not to return this joke of a DVD and order the UK release, which actually is a widescreen option. I guess that MGM just likes to spit in the face of North America. <laughs> Be very wary of any... DVD releases produced by MGM. They obviously have no respect for the films or the format. I don't disagree with that. Uh, what pan and scan is uh, a crime and should be punishable by harsh penalties. Yeah. This man did a 15 take, okay? Yeah. Well, we got one from Reading and Writing. The 80s Two is the stars. most culturally important decade, Zach. It is. There's never been a more important decade. I got a review from Reading and Writing. Two stars. Ooh. Two stars. Lame movie based on an even lamer book. Michael J. Fox is always good, though. Damn. We got also we got one from Ken. Mm. Uh, five stars. Great movie and plot. Explains a lot about Michael J. Fox. Great movie what? and plot. Are you commenting on the fact that he has parts? Yeah, like, are you? Are do you, you think one he actually took all that cocaine, and two that's why he has <laughs> Parkinson's disease? I don't know. Oh, Ken, yeah. this one comes to us from Spider, but with a Y. One star. I remember this being an epic film, but my God, it's awful. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Okay, D.L. Jones, Bright Lights, Big City, four stars. 
This movie should be taken in context. It is not your usual my MJ Fox movie by any means. The film is a slice of life with no beginning or end, merely a real view of how life could be grim and bleak. See this if you want a real Fox film. Sorry, the real Fox film just sent me off the voice I, I was doing. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, is that... I'm getting a lot of Spanish reviews now. Yeah. I get, to, well, I get to the Italian one, the one from Mexico, and then the one from Spain. So, you know, good. There's a lot of Japanese ones as well. Oh, yeah, I just got to the... Um, wow. Apparently they liked it. Well, not all of them, yeah. but... <laughs> okay, this one is is five stars from Unlucky Frank. The title. A week... In the life of a cokehead, <laughs> having lived through the cocaine 80s, I can assure you this flick hits the nail on the head. Forget about getting up and going to work tomorrow. Where's the party? Humorous, compelling, and sad with a marvelously redemptive ending. I'm not a big fan of Michael J. Fox, but I have to say this is the biggest role in a small film of his entire career. Forget Teen Wolf. This is great acting. <laughs> Especially compelling is his soliloquy as he reassesses his marriage while he's swinging around a wine glass and bouncing off the walls of his living room. Great stuff. Uh, I'm an idiot, and I forgot he was actually at somebody's house for a dinner date. I didn't even watch the movie, sorry. <laughs> That's what I'm pretending to be. Yeah, uh, yeah we got Great stuff. The funniest scene is when Sutherland is looking for coke in the dust of Fox's apartment and takes a freeze to the gums. Wow. Have been there, done that. If you think the book was better than the movie, think again. The screenplay was written by the author, Jay McIrney. McIrney? I don't know. Um, Sorry, Jay McInerney. So it actually resembles the novel. Nice job. And those of you who think this is a stretch for Fox, think again. Michael had his own coke problem, which is what drew him to the role in the first place. Great job, Michael. <laughs> I think this is the most um, mature performance of your career. Best of luck to you, brother. Sutherland <laughs> is great, too. And yes, I'm in total agreement with the previous reviewers. This begs to be re-released in widescreen. Don't be fooled by the lackluster reviews for this flick. It's one of the best films ever made about being lost in addiction. Hope this brings up the reviews a little. It's a wonderful film. Sorry, I wonder if I could just speak yelling. to that point about uh, the the book uh, book and the movie being better. Just because huh. a movie's written by the author of the book, that doesn't mean it's better. No. Mm-mm. That's not how that works. Mm-hmm. In fact, if I could just um, just don't mind me just drop a name here. Um, I once uh, in a Q and A with author and uh, you know and not screenwriter John Green asked him a question about trying to adapt books to films, and he he mentioned that the process of uh, of writing a, a screenplay is so completely different from writing a book, and, so, and he was terrible at it because it's mm-hmm. not the same skills. So yeah, here I just gotta pick that up. I got that name that I dropped. Anyways, <laughs> wow, great. That reviews. Um, I think that's reviews for today. Welcome to the key for news desk, folks. We got two 
top headlines today. Yeah. So first of all, um, this this is directly from the from Kiefer himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charity Charity Buzz is a website where I guess you can bid. Uh, you can bid money to go to charities to get like, like, it, to meet like celebrities or something. Um, Keith mm-hmm. Sutherland did one where you could uh, you could get a personal video message from him, uh, and the money would go to the ACLU of Southern California. Bidding mm-hmm. ended on October twenty second, so that is the day we were recording. Uh, I do not know how much it went for, but when uh, when we checked yesterday, it was already up to like. 600 something so yeah there was there was part of us part like a part of us that was like but like what if we (laughs) yeah what if we could we should we the answer was no we couldn't or shouldn't but that is not that is not our that's not the big story the big story is that we have we were right from Mm -hmm. the the very first episode of this podcast, we have yeah. been right. We have <laughs> known what others have also known, but what the people in charge have not. And that is that Quibi is not long for this world. Mm-hmm. This is from Deadline. Quibi annou- Quibi's last day of service to be December 1st, app announces. Yeah. That's right. It's it over. So Quibi, for those of you who do not remember, um, was a short-form uh, mobile-only streaming service where everything was 10 minutes or less. It launched mm-hmm. in April. Everyone made fun of it because it's stupid. Their big mm-hmm. thing, one of their big things was, oh, but we have this technology where you're watching a show like <laughs> with your phone sideways, right? But you rotate it, and now it's mm-hmm. now it's portrait. That's yeah. Is this? Different angle, something. It's um, nothing. So Jeffrey Katzenberg, the man behind Shrek, uh, <laughs> and uh, others, uh, they, they he, he him and uh, Meg Whitman raised one point seven five mm-hmm. billion with a B dollars for this thing, and <laughs> yeah, it did not go well. No. Um, they managed to pick up a few Emmys, somehow. Somehow, but they didn't pick up any subscribers. They had a very generous ninety-day no. free trial. Yeah, and then everyone just promptly unsubscribed. Dipped. Yeah, I watched like two episodes on it before I realized that the Fugitive wasn't going to be on there for a while, and then I just left. Qu- a Fugitive, I guess we didn't mention that was the Kiefer Sutherland show. That's why it's relevant to us. Yeah. That's the only reason why we got into this whole whole Quibi debacle, and I'm glad it will be put to rest soon, as it deserves. But like, it just begs the question. Like, there's so many. There, I mean, there's that. There's um the most dangerous game with Christoph Waltz. There's all these things. There's Steven yeah. Spielberg's show that hasn't even come out yet. What's gonna happen to them? We don't know. Yeah. But we do. We do get to like you know kind of dance on the grave and read some really fun quotes. So, um, Quibi itself is chalking up the lack of success because the idea itself wasn't strong enough to justify a standalone uh, streaming service or because of our timing. They're already refusing to learn a single lesson. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Wow. Yeah. 
Good. So that's um, that's what that's what's happening with Quibi. Uh, I just because I know for a fact I we said that we would be <coughs> around longer than Quibi. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, editor Zach, go ahead and put on that uh, put on the, the the clip of us saying that and boycott Quibi. Quibi, yeah. I'm calling it oh. now. Quibi's oh. not going to be here within a year. But you know who will be? He's a Kiefer. That's because true. we don't lie to people. I think that's news. Uh, yeah, I'll just read uh, one more quote, actually, from this that is from the actual uh, announcement. And they just say, yeah, at this time we do not know if the Quibi content will be available anywhere after our last day of service. We recommend following Quibi on Twitter for any news regarding content. So, yeah, this stuff could just be <laughs> lost to the sands of time. Uh yeah, actually yeah. One more quote from uh from this from their if their announcement. Um, we started with the idea to create the next generation of storytelling, and because of you, we were able to create and deliver the best version of what what we imagined Quibi to be. Yeah, that okay. is depressing. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a, a comment here. Someone in the comments wrote a really good one. Um. Their last day of service was also their first day of service. <laughs> Some people come out guns blazing. Quibi came out with nail guns blazing, all to line their own casket. Jeffrey yes. should be commended. A catastrophic failure can't be pulled off by just any old schmuck. A failure of this magnitude could only be at- attributed to atmospheric levels of delusion and arrogance, or what will now be known as quintessential Quibi magic. Thank you. Thank you, Thomas M. Thank you, Tom M. Yeah, it's very, it's all very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like there's some stuff that I, I've heard, some stuff that, would, you know, people were actually able to get stuff that they wanted to get created finally actually get off the ground for a while, and that sucks for them, but also mm-hmm. it's a huge win for, for, um, for, pe- for like, film crew uh, because mm-hmm. basically Quibi was just made to screw them over and pay them less because it's short-form streaming. So, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, I once again extend extend a uh, a guest spot on our podcast. Yeah. To you, C- come on, come on over. <laughs> um, we'll tell you come we told up. you so, and you know, and then we can ask you about Shrek. It. Yeah, and then we can give you our uh, our fan theories on Shrek, and you can confirm or deny them. Ooh, I uh, know. My fan yeah. theory is that Kiefer Sutherland is actually Shrek. Mike Myers does not exist. That's that's pretty bold. You know what? I'm the only bold. one bold enough to say it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm the only one bold enough to say... Oh, what are you saying? What are we watching next week? Uh, we're watching I mean, Creepshow. I know we're watching. I know we're watching Creepshow, but I... Uh, we, this is so... Uh, you know, Quibi and uh, The Future was supposed to be our first uh, new piece of Kiefer content that we would review. And that did mm-hmm. not happen. But... Yeah. Uh, this, uh, I believe, Sunday... No, this Monday, mm-hmm. the twenty sixth. Twenty sixth. Uh, there'll be a there'll be a new piece of Kiefer content, a creep show Halloween special. Mm-hmm. On... It is a Halloween special, surprisingly, about the show Creep Show. It's on Shutter. Shutter. Um, and so apparently that season two is still in production, but was delayed due to coronavirus. However, they were managed. They managed to pull. 
off this uh, special. So everyone will be able to enjoy a little bit of creep show during Halloween season. It's based on um, a Stephen King story and a son by his a story by his son Joe <laughs> a Hill. Son by his story. That'd be yep. just as sweet. Yeah. I think Shakespeare wrote that. Yeah, so you got uh so the first one is based on something called Survivor Type. And it's about Kiefer Sutherland who is on an island uh with only his wits to keep him alive. Okay, we'll see what that that says nothing. Yep. Um and the second one just sounds awful. It's called I'm not gonna lie to you, Zach, I'm gonna be up front. <laughs> be up front. Um it's called Twittering from the Circus of the uh, Dead, which stars a teenager on a trip with her family that takes a horrifying turn. Because she goes Spooky on Twitter and Twitter is hell. Children are my demon in the bird. Yeah. Anyway. So thank you to Kaya for our amazing podcast art. You can find links Hope to her other work. Out in the description below where you can also find links to Kevin McLeod who created the song Sax Rock and Roll which is our theme music and outro music every week you can mm. follow us on Twitter at Pod, where I will probably continue to dunk on Quibi and laugh uh, as they shut down yeah the whole time yeah so do that it'll be fun mm. I'll kind of just play in that space uh, follow us on Instagram uh, at Podcast. podcast yeah Podcast. I'm doing good podcast. Uh, uh, you can send us a message on Anchor. Uh, tell us how much uh, you don't care about Quibi. Yeah, um, that would be fun. Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, if you don't, if you don't want to like talk to us, that's fine. You can send us a message on Anchor. You yeah, also leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, I think we've I, earned I, it because you know we 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 created a thing that you know with no budget instead of a uh, hundred or one point seven five billion dollars, and we're still around, and you're not so. Yeah, yeah. But I guess I'm hey man, we helped. We oh. gave. We gave Quibi. You know, we helped it get success. We, uh, we gave it a chance. And yeah, it let us down. You failed us. We, we were, we were to the play only ball, ones but, uh, talking about this. Yeah, you're in a different court stealing people's content and bad workers' rights. That's what it is. So I have been your host, Zachary Duke. I've been your host, Jaden Cron, and this has been He's the Keeper. No. How's that muffin treating you? That's good. That's poppy seed, man. Oh, getting that opium. Yeah, baby. Get lost in the sauce.